We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. And welcome in, Bears fans, to the latest edition of the Bear Report Podcast, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats studio. Remember, if you're going to a Chicago Bears game, use the code OVERTIME on the Vivid Seats app to save you some money. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pierce. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming, and is another victory edition of the Bear Report Podcast. There's three straight for the Chicago Bears after their defense flat-out dominated the Minnesota Vikings in Week 4 at Soldier Field. Aaron, I can get used to this winning uh, thing. It makes these podcasts a lot easier. It definitely does. Three in a row, and I mean, it kind of doesn't feel like it because some of these games have been close. But I mean, they're 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 one win away from four and one going to the bye, and it's like a lot of people look at it and say, you know, it doesn't really have the same feel as last year. I think part of it was just the element of surprise, uh, but at the same time, it's like I don't know if a lot of people remember, but they were three and one going into the bye. They came out and lost two games in a row. So if they go into their bye at four and one, obviously, you know, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves yet, but if they, if they could find a way to go into their bye week at four and one um, with three of those, three of those five games on the road, I mean, that's, that's a pretty impressive feat right off the bat. Yeah. I was thinking about this. You know, the Bears are three and one after that loss to the Packers, but I mean, have there been three, wins that you can remember like in a row with like that have been surrounded by negativity obviously winning is positive but I mean you look at it you know the, the Trubisky injury this week um some negativity there how they looked against Denver how the offense looked you know really wasn't great against Denver and then against Washington you felt like you know the second half was just kind of a law and the Bears really didn't play that great to me, it's just it's three wins. I, uh, I'm happy about it, but it just kind of seems like there was still some negative energy surrounding the team throughout those three wins. Well, I think part of it is, I, I think it's the way that they've been winning. 
Uh, I mean, really, if we're just going to cut the chase, it's been the offense is still bad. I mean, and then obviously the, the Trubisky injury, which we'll get to, is definitely not helping things any. And I think just the overall expectations. I mean, if you go back and if you remember last year, it's like they, they beat Seattle um, after, the, you know, when they lost Green Bay. And then they beat Seattle and they beat Arizona. And they were 2-1. and one, And they were actually in first place. And that was the first time they've been in first place in like three years or whatever it was. And there's a pretty good amount of negativity surrounding the team then as well. And then obviously they beat the crap out of Tampa Bay and then they went in their bye. And I think people were feeling pretty good. They just haven't had that one off, you know, that, that one explosive offensive performance, but it's, it's one of those situations where I think you got to look at it. You got to say, okay, you know, let's just kind of look at these wins real quick. I mean, the, the Denver game was, it was ugly, but they beat a, a team that going into that game was 51, eight and two uh, at home since the merger in the first two weeks of the season. Uh, sorry, the first two home games of the season. So that alone in itself is a pretty big feat. I understand that they're 0 and 4 right now. I don't care. The point being is they're very hard to beat at home in the first two weeks of the season that happened. And then you look at the Redskins. The Bears hadn't beat the Redskins at home, or sorry, on the road since 2001. They hadn't beat the Redskins as a whole since 2003. So that was another kind of monkey off your back, if you will. And then, you know, this game against Minnesota where, I mean, it was just, that was probably one of the most dominant defensive performances I've seen from a Bears team, even ranging back, you know, in the, the 2005, 2006, and even just the Lovey era as a whole. I mean, that was vastly impressive. And again, it was against a Vikings team who, at least going into that game, was running the ball really well, had looked pretty good. They were 2-1. and one. Again, it's a divisional opponent. But I mean, you're talking about a Bears team that was missing six starters, including Trubisky. I mean, that's I mean, that's massive. And the fact that they have so much depth and they were able to do what they were able to do, I at least to me, I think that the Denver win was obviously big. Um, I think I and this is just my personal take, but I think if they'd have lost that game, I, I think you could pretty much have kissed the season goodbye at that point. I think if they were to win seven games, eight games at that point, they would have been lucky just because you go down 0-2 and and things are just kind of, uh, you know, murky, even if they don't won these next two. But now you're looking at it and you say you got that one big win against Denver, you know, the Washington game was whatever. And then all of a sudden you come out and you absolutely dominate a, a divisional opponent in the Minnesota Vikings. And you avoid that 0-2 start within a division, which is huge. Uh, nobody's ever won the NFC North with an 0-2 uh, divisional record like that to start off the season. So, I, I don't know, man. I, I really think, I mean, it wasn't pretty by any means. And obviously there's a pretty good amount of injuries and I'm sure we'll get into some of that. But when you actually look, especially at this last win, OK, it was only 16 to six. And really those six points came in garbage time for Minnesota. But I mean, they flat out dominated it. And, and, and this is kind of the thing maybe to change people's mindsets a little bit. Right. Is people will look at teams like the Chiefs and they, they'll, they'll look at them and they'll say, oh, well, you know, that's a Super Bowl contender. And it's like, okay, but they're a Super Bowl contender because they have a really good offense. Look at their defense. Their defense is garbage. And it's like, okay, so if you wanna if you wanna do that, then then look at the Bears and say their defense is elite, just like the Kansas City uh, Kansas City offense is elite, but you know, obviously their offense is struggling, just like Kansas City's defense is struggling. It's you, you have to look at it both ways. And usually when you get into the playoffs, the team with a better defense wins. So I'm not saying that the Bears are Super Bowl bound right this five seconds, but I do think that some of the negativity is a little over the top. I mean, they can continue to win like this. Obviously, their schedule is going to get harder. But I I can understand some skepticism, but I don't think that, that fans should be overly negative about this team right now, especially considering, like I said, they, they could be 4-1 and at the bye. See, I think a big part of where the negativity comes in, though, is, I mean, like you said, the defense has dominated, flat-out dominated almost every game. 
Um, they lost week one because they let up on Green Bay. That one drive, Ryan Rodgers made that great throw, and then the Bears had the backups on the field, essentially, and Deion Bush and Isaiah Irving. But, man, the offense, you know, it just hasn't looked great. Even in that first half against Washington, it's like, okay, it looks a lot better. In the second half, they're just, meh, blah. And then, you know, this week, Trubisky goes down, and Chase Daniel came in, and I was actually impressed with Daniel because he looked kind of calm and, and collective running the offense, but then in the second half, I mean, it's just like whether it was Matt Nagy just getting too conservative, um, Chase Daniel not being able to make the throws or anything like that. It's like I want to say they had three or four three and outs in the second half, including one when they should have pretty much put the game away um, and gave some new life to the Vikings. Thank God for that defense, though. But, I mean, I hear you. Yeah, three and one's positive, obviously. You have a game coming in um, this weekend in London, which we'll get more into, against a Raiders team you should beat. Um, the Raiders put up 31, 30 plus points on the Colts, but that's a Colts defense that was, you know, missing a couple of peop- couple of starters. Look at the Bears defense. I don't think Oakland's gonna be able to do that. And as long as Chase Daniel doesn't make the mistakes, I think the Bears should win that game. So you should be looking at the Bears at four and one into the bye week. Schedule gets a little tougher though after that bye week. We don't know if Drew Brees will be back for the Saints game. Um, he was on the field working out before the Sunday night football game. But Teddy Bridgewater's two and zero as a Saints quarterback. Um, with wins at Seattle and against previously unbeaten Dallas. But, you know, looking forward, I look at the NFC, getting to 4-1 is going to be key because there's only one team that's unbeaten right now. Um, and is, is the, um, God, who is it? The San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, they had three, a bye week. Yeah. They're 3-0. Their schedule gets tougher. They have the Browns coming up um, on Monday Night Football. So, yeah, I, I look at this NFC, and I don't really think anyone really scares me right now and as long as Mitchell Trubisky comes back and plays fine, I think the Bears have a legit shot. With Chase Daniel, I think the Bears have a shot to make the playoffs. I don't think he's going to give you that quarterback performance that you're going to need from Trubisky eventually, um, whether it is the first week of the playoffs, second week, or even in the Super Bowl, to kind of be considered a Super Bowl contender. Get to 4-1, and one, get in the bye week healthy, regroup, and then make your run there as the season goes on. Yeah, I, I think the the key – with with the Trubisky thing, at least in my mind, is at least from what you know we've kind of read about, like okay, he's not gonna have to have surgery during the season. He's definitely gonna probably have to have surgery during the off season. It's kind of the same thing as what happened with Anthony Miller, you know, the the AC joint, um, you know, with the or, or sorry, the labrum, uh, and then you know the 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 tear in the labrum or the partial tear. I mean, it's gonna be hard to keep that shoulder in. I mean, that's just really what there is to it, and especially with Trubisky. He's an athletic guy. I mean, he's he's going to take some hits. He always has. And so now you're already kind of limiting his game. And you're also talking about a quarterback who has just 100% struggled with, uh, with with consistency as a whole. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're throwing a shoulder injury into the mix as well. And this is not to be negative, but it's just kind of something to keep in mind where I think a lot of us coming into the season, we're like, all right, we, we, you know, we'll know what Trubisky is by the end of the season. And ultimately, I'm not really sure that we're going to. And the other thing that kind of concerns me looking long term here is if he does have surgery in the offseason, I mean, the, the whole labrum thing, I mean, that's you're talking he's probably not going to see time until probably training camp. I mean, it's that this is this is going to have some interesting ramifications. Now, obviously, Chase Daniel isn't the guy. Uh, I'm not saying that he's the guy at all. But I do think, at least for the time being, I think that they can get by about what the same as what they have been doing. I mean, because even with the the game that Trubisky had in week three, I mean, it wasn't like he was great by any means. I mean, he was 
much better than he had been, but I mean, he was nowhere near peak 2018 Trubisky when he, when he had those good games against the Lions, when he had those good games against Tampa Bay, even when he had those good games down the stretch. So I think really the big key for the Bears right now, especially, you know, moving into week five and then when they come out, I'm assuming Trubisky will be back by that point, but it's just really limiting turnovers, doing enough offensively. And I think really a big part of this where, you know, you can look at some of these teams right around the league and kind of like with Minnesota, you know, you, you look at their, you know, the passing game has been pretty bad. Um, but you look at the running game outside of the Bears game and they're averaging, you know, 180, 190 yards. Uh, or I shouldn't say averaging, but I think they were averaging right around 150, 160 yards. But they had I think there was one time they had 180 or 190 and yards rushing. And that's kind of the thing. That's I guess that's kind of the other X factor this offense right now that maybe we're not talking about enough is the fact that they're not running the ball well at all. I mean, David Montgomery has nowhere to go. Um, they're in my mind, they're using, uh, they're using Cohen a little too much as a running back. I mean, Cohen has really not been that good this year at all, but I mean, there's, there's other elements to this offense outside of the, outside of the quarterback that needs to play better right now. And I, and I think that's something that kind of needs to be talked about because there's been a few times that they've gone against uh, pretty mediocre defenses and they're going to see another one in the Raiders who are I think like 17th against the rush right now right around I think it's like averaging 105 yards per game that they're giving up it's like the Bears need to get the running game going I mean at some point in time they're going to have to do that and you point you you pointed a little bit ago to all the three and outs that they had in the second half and it's like look at some of the three and outs that they had it's because they couldn't run the ball and that's just something that at some point in time, I really don't think this is on Montgomery for the most part, but at some point in time, they're going to have to get this running game figured out. You cannot keep making excuses, well, Jordan Howard didn't fit. Well, Jordan Howard's gone now, and Mike Davis has been a non-factor. Obviously, he didn't play on, on Sunday, but it's like, you know, David Montgomery's not really getting many holes, and I don't think there's been one time where he's had over 20 rushes. So it's like, I mean, what's the deal here? What, what's going on with it? I mean, the run game itself will help out the offense a lot because a lot of teams can key in on the pass right now, and and the quarterback play is clearly not that good, but I would say that that's a big key to getting the offense fixed right now. But even so, I think that they can still win a decent amount of games because of defense. And that's the thing. Like a lot of people talk about the regression on the defense. Right. And I think to a certain extent, maybe if you look at the uh, the turnovers and, and stuff like that, I think that's still they're still on pace. I mean, they're only averaging two turnovers a game versus what the 36 or 38 they had last year. So a little bit under that clip right now. But in terms of everything else, I mean, I would actually argue that they are better defense this year than they were last year. Yeah, well, with the run game, and it's it's coming, their struggles are also coming on short yardage down, second and short, third and short. They can't pick up the yards. I mean, I think early in the drive, they had a, early in the game, they had a drive where there was like third and one, um, second and one, third and one, they couldn't convert. And they ran a quarterback sneak on third down, didn't get it. They ran the quarterback sneak again on fourth and inches, barely got it. So, yeah, it's a lot of the short yards is, is what they're really struggling on. Um, and for the love of God, you know, when Cordero Patterson comes into the game and he's in the backfield, he's gained the ball 100% of the time. I don't know what Matt Nagy's doing. He's not fooling anyone. But every single time Patterson's been in the backfield, feels like he's gotten the football on a handoff or a jet sweep. And most of the time, it does not work. So, see how that plays out. Um, we're going to get into our recap of Sunday's game over the Vikings, including some injury news, um, and then preview Week 5 against the Raiders. Before we do that, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers. Outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance. 
and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And welcome back into the Bear Report Podcast. Uh, we just got done kind of with our opening statements. Aaron, you said something interesting that you thought the defense was um, a lot better than they are last season. And I agree with that. I look at Sunday's performance against Minnesota Vikings, complete domination. And I look at it, and you did it without three key players, uh, two starters, maybe three, depending on what you want to call Bilal Nichols. Akeem Hicks, Nichols, and Roquan Smith did not play. And when we got that news before the game, I thought Minnesota was going to run all over that defense because you know Hicks is one of your clogs on the defensive line, and Roquan's, Roquan's been really good um, against the run so far in his career. But man, Nick Williams stepped up, Eddie Goldman stepped up, um, the whole the, uh, Nick Kortkowski stepped up. It's like the Bears just did not nothing, you know nothing. It was like nothing happened, and the Bears dominated. They held Delvin Cook to 70 yards from scrimmage, 35 on the ground, and Kirk Cousins stinks. He stinks, man. I know the Bears defense is really good. That quarterback, as much as Bears fans want to rip Trubisky. Thank God the Bears are not paying Trubisky all that money that Kirk Cousins is getting because he's guaranteed to put a ball on the ground for you at least once. And he put two on the ground, um, recovered one, but put two on the ground against the Bears. That was just a flat-out dominant performance by that defense. Five and 27 against winning teams in his, in his career. Awful. Man, Awful. This dude is the first player in the history of the NFL to get a fully guaranteed contract, $20 million a year. For three years and this dude has been terrible and that's that's the thing is like and i had people last year mainly vikings fans like oh it's you can't you can't you know wins aren't a quarterback stat well i'm, I'm sorry but when you've been in the league eight years and you've been with multiple different regimes on two different teams and this continues to follow you yes there is clearly a pattern here and you're clearly not playing good in big games and again for most teams quarterback play means a lot and the Vikings don't have as good of a defense as the Bears. I mean, this is really as simple as that. I mean, they have a good defense, but they don't have the same defense as the Bears. And so, I, I man, I just it, – it's amazing because it's like you look at last year, right? You look at the same – what was that, week 10, week 11, whatever the Sunday night game was uh, when they played Minnesota um, in Chicago. And that, that first divisional game, everybody thought Minnesota was going to win. Nobody was really buying it. The Bears, they just come off those two – wins against the you know the bottom of the AFC East and the Bills and the and the I think it was the Jets yeah the Bills and the Jets and nobody was really buying into the Bears right and the Bears dominated don't get me wrong like the Bears the Bears did very well in that game their defense was very 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 impressive I think what the Bears defense did on Sunday against the Vikings was more impressive for multiple reasons including the fact that simply I mean they were just flat out dominant but Again, when you look at how many starters are missing, like you pointed out, they're missing Akeem Hicks, man. They were missing Roquan Smith. They were missing Bilal Nichols. Uh, I mean, you're talking about three projected week one starters. I mean, these guys were all week one starters, and all of a sudden you're missing all three of those guys. Nick Kwiatkowski steps up. Nick Williams steps up. I mean, it, it, it was amazing. Like, if you go back and you look at the box score and you just see what some of these guys did, Roy Robertson and Harris stepped up. I mean, these are all three of those guys that it's named are not starters. I mean, the, Nick Williams barely made the damn team, for God's sake. I mean, that's that's really where the Bears are. I mean, they had guys that were stepping up everywhere. And 
it just goes to show that all these people during the offseason that were talking about the regression, and I, I understood it to a certain extent, but I think there was a there's a difference between realistic you know expectations in terms of what they could have regressed to. They could have gone, I mean, we talked about this multiple times. They could have gone from the number one defense in the league to, you know, the the fifth defense in the league. And there's going to be a little bit of a drop off, but there's not going to be a lot. But a lot of people, when they're saying regression, they're talking about going from like the first defense in the league to out of the top 10. And it's just like, you just look at it. And I think it goes to show, I think it really does that talent has a lot to do with it. Obviously coaching is, is there, but when you have as much talent as the bears have on defense, when you have as many all pros and pro bowlers that this team has, on the defensive side of the ball and the kind of depth that they have on the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, losing Vic Fangio. Yeah. I mean, he's a very good defensive mind, but I think we're also seeing that Chuck Pagano is a very good defensive mind and his style fits the bears very well. But again, a lot of that comes back to talent and it's kind of one of those situations where if you really go back and you look at last year, right. And you really go back and you look at the playoff game, it wasn't, I mean, the Bears' offense didn't play well. Don't get me wrong on that. But it wasn't the Bears' offense who cost them that game. It was a missed kick. Well, look at Eddie Pinheiro right now. The dude is 8 for 9. He hasn't missed an extra point. I mean, he's obviously going to get nothing but healthier, and hopefully he'll be back to full strength after the bye. But as of right now, at least, it looks like the Bears have, they have their, their special teams has been worlds better. I mean, Pat O'Donnell had that shake punt where, that I mean, that definitely helped lead to the you know the the game-winning drive for the Eagles before the Bears got the ball back and they missed the kick. I mean, they I would say that they're improved defensively. I think at least as of right now, they are vastly improved as 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 a whole on special teams. Pat O'Donnell has been one of the better punters in the league. Eddie Pinheiro has been very reliable, and their coverage units as a whole um, are very good. And obviously, we haven't even really seen what Patterson can do as a returner, as a kick returner, and we're going to get to see that as the weather cools down and the ball doesn't travel as far on kickoffs. I it's one of those things when you really go back and look at it, it's like obviously the offense needs to get better, and they they've still got some time to get it figured out. And I'm not saying this is automatically a playoff team. But, again, the offense didn't cost the Bears a playoff game. Their special teams cost the Bears a playoff game. So if they still have the same defense or the defense is a little bit better and their special teams continues to be as improved as it is, if you can get the offense even back to where it was last year, I don't see why this this Bears team can't be a Super Bowl contender. It may not be pretty. It may be kind of like the 2016 was built in a, in a sense, but – Again, I mean, we we've seen some we've seen some of these teams like the 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 Ravens, for example, where they had these really good defenses, and Joe Flacco comes on in the playoffs. You know, it, all it takes is if you have that defense and they can consistently perform, and that's not something you're worried about. All it takes is one or two, you know, good offensive performances to get you into the Super Bowl, and you go from there. So again, I just with the way that the defense is playing, with the way that the special teams are playing, with as deep as they are right now, I don't. I just don't see a reason to be overly negative. I mean, we're going to see things play out. And again, we're going to look at this team. I mean, let's just think about it. Like, look at the team back in week four last year. I think a lot of people were somewhat optimistic, but I'd, even at three and one, I don't think a lot of people saw this team finishing 12 and four. I mean, so our feelings on this team going into week five right now um, versus what they are going to be at the end of the season, where I think a lot of people were expecting them to at least win a playoff game or two, are going to vastly change by that point. So the season's a progression. Let it happen, but I mean the defense being, I would say, better than they have been that they were even last year. I think is a, a pretty sizable development for them right now. You just don't want to see, you know, this defense get spoiled. I mean, this is a, this is to me, this is a Super Bowl defense. This is a defense where you look back and you look at the Seattle Seahawks a couple of years ago, look at the Denver Broncos a couple of years ago, 
and they had Super Bowl defenses. Um, even the Bears, when they went to the Super Bowl, they didn't have the offense. I think this is the same situation as a lot of those teams. You know, the Bears have the Super Bowl defense. You have the playmaker like Khalil Mack, who is just wrecking everything. He might not be getting sacks on every plays on every play, but I mean, he's making an impact on every single play. You saw the one where he drew the chip, and then the double team was held and still got to Cousins. They didn't give him the sack, but it looked like he had the first hand on Cousins when he was brought down. It's incredible what Cleo Mack has been able to do. And then you factor in that you got guys like Nick Williams, um, guys like Nick Kwiatkowski who can just step in right away and make a big impact. It's not like Kwiatkowski finished with three tackles, was okay in coverage. Finished with nine tackles, had a sack, and completely dominated Dalvin Cook on a pass rush, driving him all the way back into um, Kirk Cousins. You look at Nick Williams. Third straight game, he's got a sack. He's been an impact on the defensive line. Um, Haha Clinton Dix, who was brought in this offseason, has looked great so far. Um, and then even Buster Screen has not looked bad at all. I mean, there's been no complaints from me on Buster. I think essentially the Bears defense, I'm with you, has has gotten better, which is a scary sight. Now, obviously, it's very tough to um, duplicate the stats of what happened last year with the, with the, I believe it was like six touchdowns or five touchdown returns. Um, the, 32 plus turnovers that they forced things like that but i mean it's not always about the numbers if you look at this defense they they might not match those numbers but it doesn't mean that they're not playing better than what they were last season just because of how they're impacting games on every single play you just saw you saw the nfl's leading rusher come into soldier field he was at delvin cook was averaging 125 yards per game three straight games of 100 plus yards and he was held to 35 yards and 35 yards receiving which most of it, I'd be willing to bet 25, 30 of those were on that final two drives where um, the Bears were giving them cushion and Kirk Cousins was just dumping the ball off on screens. It was pretty damn dominating by the Bears' defense, and, and Chuck Pagano's done a hell of a job this season. You know, he does like to give cushion at the end of the game when, you know, he's got the lead, but that's just kind of nitpicking by fans. of, And I, I'm guilty of it myself. You know, you, you see the defensive backs give the cushion. There's easy completions. The Bears go into that bend, don't break kind of shell defense at the end when they do have the lead. And there's really nothing wrong with that. Now, flipping over the offense, I mean, going back to the you don't want to waste the Super Bowl defense, you just got to see more from the offense. Now, it's going to be tough with Chase Daniel, who is expected to start on Sunday um, against Oakland. He's not a quarterback that's been moving the ball down the field. Granted, Minnesota's defense is pretty is pretty good. They're not as good as the Bears' defense. They kind of kept Daniel in check a little bit, but I mean, it wasn't like Daniel was making any mistakes. He was reading, he's re making his reads. He was going through his progression, something we really haven't seen Mitch do. And and oftentimes he was going to his second, third, fourth option um, on on each play. And I thought Daniel played fine. I thought there was a lull in the second half where he kind of struggled. Um, but overall, I mean, you can win games with him. It's just you're going to need some quarterback play down the stretch, in my opinion. I agree. I, I, I mean, obviously, their their offense has to progress, and I think part of that is clearly the run game, and honestly, their offensive line still isn't really playing that well either. But it's just one of those things. I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of like survival mode, at least for me, right? I that's kind of I've, I found myself saying this a few times before games, like just win the game. I don't care how you win it, just win the game. It was like it was that it was that honestly, all three of their wins have kind of been that way. With Denver, it was like okay, we all know the history win the game and then with Washington they what was it uh it was Bobby Massey and who else were they missing they're missing somebody else and then Pinheiro was 
Pinero's knee was obviously on the issue, and it's like, okay, just get out and win the game. Obviously, they dominated. Hick, Hicks left the game early. Yeah, exactly. Hicks left the game. So it's like, and then obviously everything, I mean, things like, honestly, things fell apart for the Bears before this game, like before the Vikings game. That's the crazy thing is like they had, they had stuff that they were expecting, but obviously the Roquan Smith thing happened, the Trubisky thing happened. I mean, there was a decent amount of stuff that, I mean, normally speaking, most teams don't win games like that, and they sure as hell don't dominate games like that. So I think that at least that kind of goes to show that the Bears are a really good team. I, I do agree that the offense has got to get better. Um, it seems like they've been playing a decent amount of defenses. It's obviously no excuse because you've, you've got to get the offensive production at some point. But I'm not overly concerned yet. I do think that the Trubisky injury kind of pushes things back a little bit for sure, just because, I mean, now you got a guy that's going to be coming back. And, I mean, we remember it. I think everybody remembers, you know, he had that shoulder injury. Granted, it was on a throwing shoulder last year, um, you know, right before the Thanksgiving game. And that, that Rams game, he looked terrible. But, I mean, you, you got to think that there's probably going to be at least a week break-in period. But either way, um, you know, I, I guess we'll see. It, it's just it, – it's one of those where, again, I agree that the offense needs to play better. But I think that they've been so good everywhere else to where – I think they can kind of get away, at least with the Raiders. Uh, I don't think the Raiders are going to be quite as easy of a win as some people think. I mean, they definitely should win the game. But just getting into the bye week at 4-1 and one and kind of reassessing things, hopefully you get all your guys healthy and go from there. I, I think that's going to be a big value in its own at this point. And, you know, and also to point out, the Bears got a division win. Uh, they got another home win. So that helps them kind of build some confidence. And they're tied atop the uh, NFC North. They're the only team to win – in week four in the NFC North, Green Bay lost to Philly. The, the Lions almost pulled the upset, the stunner, on um, Kansas City, but blew the lead late, and Minnesota lost to Chicago. So I think this could be a tight division. I don't see, you know, any, like maybe the Lions, like I, I think the Lions are good. Um, they still kind of got that Lions thing about them, like how how much can you trust them? But I don't think the Lions are going to be a four or five win team again or a six win team. I think, you know, they might be hovering around 500 at worst this season. Then you have the Vikings. You don't know what you're going to get from them. Uh, they might hover around 500. But I think it's going to be pretty dang tight um, coming down the stretch. And, and, you, and you know the final week the Bears have to play the Vikings and the Packers have to play um, the Lions. So, so far it does look like the NFC North is one of the better divisions um, in all of football. And this shouldn't change. I, I expect a very tight race at the end. Let's uh, get into our preview of the Raiders game this Sunday. Uh, before we do that, let's hit our final break of the show. We'll be right back. And welcome back into the Bear Report podcast. We just wrapped up our talk about the Bears' big win over the Minnesota Vikings, the only team in the NFC North to win in Week 4. And now ahead of the Bears is the Oakland Raiders in London. The Bears will be going across the pond to take on the Raiders in Tottenham. And... You know, after that, there's a bye week, and, and I've seen it kind of thrown out there that this could be a trap game for the Bears, where they, they face a Raiders team that's 2-2. Two and two. The Raiders just came off a big win over um, Indianapolis on the road, and the Bears might be looking ahead of the bye, trying to get everyone healthy. But, man, when I look at this game, I, it's hard for me to see the Bears lose this game because – I think they're the better team than the Raiders, even though they probably won't have Mitchell Trubisky, probably not going to have Roquan Smith. Um, Akeem Hicks will likely be another game-time decision, although Matt Nagy said he was close to playing last week. I still think the Bears have the better talent, and I think they have the X factor in a guy that the Raiders are very familiar with. Not Eddie Pinero, but Khalil Mack. I just don't see 
how Khalil Mack is going to let this game get out of hand or anything like that for the Bears. It, it's just, it, has, it has one of those games where he's just going to flat out dominate. Well, I think offensively what the Raiders are probably going to do is a very similar approach to what they did against Broncos in week one. I'm sure a lot of people probably watched that game against the Broncos in week one just because it was the last game on uh, Monday Night Football, and I think a lot of people are trying to get an idea of what the Broncos are going to look like. But I, I, I expect them to take a quick strike approach. And, again, I mean, that's kind of what Minnesota did, and obviously that didn't work out for them. So I think, again, this really kind of comes down to, to stopping the run game. Josh, uh, the, yeah, Josh Jacobs was – I mean, he's been pretty good. I mean, he's, he's – uh, I think he had wasn't quite 100 yards this last week, but it's going to be interesting because at least looking when you look at the numbers, I mean they beat the Colts and they pretty well handled the Colts, but in a lot of ways, I mean it was they were kind of fluky plays. It wasn't like it wasn't like they were offensively dominant or their defense was great, anything by that you know by that stretch of the imagination. So the Bears are clearly a better team. Uh, I do think that there is a factor of just. Overall, you know, you're going across overseas, play a game. They're leaving much earlier, or sorry, much later than the Raiders. The Raiders are already there. Uh, actually, Vontez Perfect, <laughs> who will not be playing in the game or at any point this season, uh, pending an appeal, was actually with the team in London, and he actually flew back because he's suspended for the rest of the season. So I would say even if he appeals and somehow wins, I mean, there's no way he's playing this week. But again, the Bears are vastly more talented. Uh, the Raiders don't have, at least in my opinion, don't have a ton of talent on defense. Uh, Khalil Mack is still pretty much outpacing them in terms of sacks, hurries, quarterback hits, all that stuff as a whole this year by himself, the entire defense. Um, they've, I mean, they're just, they're, they're a rebuilding team. I, I think offensively, it will be interesting to see what they do against the Bears defense, just because, again, I think that if there's one way that you can really kind of at least get something going against the Bears defense, it's going to be that quick strike, and I think that's going to be something that the Bears are going to have to watch out for. I don't, I'm not really worried about the running game per se, but I do think that the faster that teams get the ball out on them, the more likely it's going to be that they're going to have success because the Bears just don't play a ton of tight coverage. So, again, though, I, I, I'm not over, I'm not worried about the game by any means, but it's just one of those things where I, I, I think the Bears match up very well, but. I do expect the Raiders to have an approach to try to keep guys like Khalil Mack away. Um, I don't think it'll work just because I think Khalil Mack's going to have one of those games where he just kind of goes off. But again, it's, and I'm not going to say just win and get in the bye, but I, I do think, you know, they, they've obviously got to win the game, but you'd like to see something a little more positive moving into, you know, like, you know, building off of the three wins that they've had, just a little bit more positivity moving into the bye at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think getting getting that win, getting to four and one on the year, um, ensuring yourself at least a share of first place going into the bye when Green Bay does have a, a good Dallas team on the schedule this week is big. And getting healthy and make sure you get out of London healthy um, is also big. Yeah, you you mentioned the Raiders are over there right now. The Bears don't leave until Thursday night. They won't arrive until London until Friday morning. Um, they'll get into their hotel, they'll have some practice on Friday, and then Saturday, like, they'll do their normal walkthrough on Saturday. I think the game is at nighttime in London. Uh, I believe it's a 12 central Chicago time um, start here. But, yeah, you know, the thing about this London game is, I mean, they can kind of be fluky. Um, I can't really recall any major upsets in the recent London series. For the most I don't know if you can, but for most of them, I thought they were – 
kind of bad games, like sloppy games. Um, the Raiders got blown out last year, I believe, in one of them. And I, I want to say there was another blowout last year because now they do like what they do like four London games a year. So like yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's almost kind of like I almost kind of liken it to like the Thursday night game where yeah, it's just. It's just weird football, man. Like it's it's not you're not. It's the travel. It's a, it's a travel. Exactly, and that's kind of the difference there. So I don't know. It's it that's kind of the thing. Like there's there's a it's not just a normal game. Like if they're going to Oakland or they're playing in Chicago, it's like I think the Bears would just absolutely smoke them. But I think there's just a little bit more to it this time around, just because it is in London. But again, not many teams play very good when they're they're flying you know, halfway across the country, or halfway across, halfway across the world, should I say. Yeah, I mean, granted, they are probably in nicer airplanes than, you know, you and I would ride in, but still, I mean, we talked about before, I can't sleep on airplanes, so I don't know what they're going to do, but maybe that's just me. But anyway, yeah, um, it, it, you know, it could have that weird, that weird London feel to it where it is kind of sloppy early on. Um, maybe, you know, it's closer than we think, but you know, getting out of there with the win is the most important thing. I just, I don't, I don't see the Bears losing this game. Uh, I think they'll be at four and one, and they'll go into their bye week with a lot of confidence, and they'll give everyone a chance to get healthy. Probably likely see Trubisky coming out of that bye week against the Saints. Um, I, is that Saints game? I think is a three, uh, is it a three twenty-five game, or is that their first noon game? Uh, it'll, be the, it'll be their first noon game. Will it be their first noon game of the season? Yeah, it will be because I was actually just thinking about that the other day. It was like I haven't actually watched a pregame show the entire time because it's like the Bears haven't played at noon, so I don't really like I don't like. Oh no, I, wait, nope, it is three twenty-five. What? Yeah, so it's a three twenty-five Saints game. The next week is their first noon game. Well, they have. Well, are you talking about at home? You mean because this 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 Raiders game, this game coming yeah, up, yeah. home. New- no home game. I home game. Okay, sorry. I, I, I apparently I missed the home. Yeah. So yeah, no, they haven't had a. This is their first noon game period. Yeah, this Sunday will be their first noon game period. Five, and this is just now happening. I don't know. I don't know how you feel. I know it's kind of a random thing, but I don't know how you feel. But I like noon games. Like I like I like to get my football over with, like the Bears football over with, and I can watch other games and kind of relax the rest of the day, not having to sit there and and wait all day for the Bears to play or wait until Monday for them to play. I don't like that. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll clarify. Yeah, I meant noon game at home, sorry. Because they did, yeah, this week will be a noon game, but it's a, technically a road game. It's a Raiders home game, um, which is actually kind of crazy because the Raiders, I believe, have like a month. They have like five or six weeks in between actual home games in Oakland. So like, what was it? Their last one was week two or – it was either week one or two, and they had the, like they go the whole month, rest of the month of September, whole rest of the month of October – uh, without an actual home game in Oakland, which is wild to me because they're on the road, then they go to London, um, they return, I believe, they're on the road as well. Um, but yeah, as far as home games in Chicago, um, yeah, their first noon home game will be the uh, two weeks after the bye when they host the Chargers because uh, the Saints game to 325 on Fox. I was going to say, I didn't, I can't imagine that Saints-Bears game would have been a, a noon game, especially... Um, with both teams likely being close to or on top of the division uh, lead. But you want to get into our, pre- our uh, prediction and uh, X Factor? Yeah, let's do it, man. I mean, I, I don't know. It's just This is one of those exciting games where there's, there's a ton to talk about in preview. So I think it's just kind of getting getting the win and getting in the bye week and getting as healthy as possible. Getting out of London, right? <laughs> <laughs> All 
Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with mine first. Um, for my X factor, I'm actually going to take this approach. I'm going to go with Oakland's tight end, Darren Waller. He's been fantastic this season. He's been one of the big bright spots for the um, the Raiders on offense. A guy uh, that has been a go-to target for um, Derek Carr. And the reason I bring him up is because the Bears might be struggling to cover him if Roquan Smith doesn't play. Nick Okowski had a big game against the Vikings, but throughout the preseason, one of his biggest struggles was covering, um, was pass coverage, and he could not stay with tight ends. He could not stay with running backs, and Waller's going to be an interesting mismatch for that Bears defense. So I'm going to see what type of adjustments Chuck Pagano has to make if Kwiatkowski does start um, on Sunday, which is likely he will. And look for Waller even still to have a big game. I think the guys had a couple of 100 receiving yard games already um, so far this season. And he's an in, he's a very interesting story if you want to look him up for those of you that saw him on uh, Hard Knocks. So my prediction, I'll go Bears 23, Raiders 13. Interesting. All right, well, I think for my X Factor, uh, I'm going to move on the opposite side of the ball. Um, kind of touched on it a little bit, but Vontez Burfecht is not playing. And I think that attacking their their linebackers is going to be a big key for them you know and whether that's short and intermediate throws over the middle of the field whether that's getting the second level of the running game and kind of exposing the middle of the field as a whole I think that that's going to be a big key for the Bears offense I mean the Raiders don't have a, a good defense I mean it's just it's going to take time um to be able to you know establish I mean we we know as Bears fans I mean we've all seen the demise of the Bears defense after Levy Smith left. And then we saw the buildup with John Fox and Vic Fangio. And then we've seen what it is now. I mean, it's going to take the, the Raiders some time. So I think really, um, you know, especially for Chase Daniel, I mean, he, he can have, like he's going to have more room to work with in terms of what he's doing, throwing the ball. And so that'll be my X factors. I think attacking the middle of that defense, especially the linebackers, uh, is going to be is going to be a big key for the offense to to move the ball. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go. I'm going to say, man, I'm going to kind of keep this close to close to you. I think I'm going to say 24-17. And I mean, 17 points against the Raiders when they're I don't even they have well they haven't given up more than 20 all all year. I'm trying to think do they. Well, I guess they hadn't even. What was the most they gave up was, what was it, 15 or 16? Um, I think, wasn't it week one? Did they give up close to like 15? They gave up, they gave up 10 points week one. I want to say it was the, it was a Denver game that they gave up like 14 or 15 points. I want to say it was 15 points. Uh, let's see. Week one, they gave up 16. 16. Okay. So they haven't. Okay. Wait, are you talking about the Raiders? No, the Bears. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Raiders. I was going to say they gave up like. 34 to like the Vikings. <laughs> I think it was a Denver score. I, th- I want to say Denver had like 14 or 15 points. Either way. I yeah, understand- Denver, had, Denver had 14. Okay, so I, I understand that the Bears haven't had, uh, you know, they haven't given up that many points, but I do think that the London factor kind of adds into it. And plus, like I said, I, I think that they're going to take a, a similar approach to what they did against Denver, where they're going to try to neutralize the pass rush with quick passes an established run game. And I think the Bears, I, again, I think the Bears are going to win the game, but I think maybe that's going to be one of those defensive performances where like, ah, they really weren't that good, even though they just gave up 17 points. So yeah, I'll go 24-17 Bears. Well, we were both right last week. We both had the Bears winning. So let's hope we're both right this week and uh, going into the bye, the Bears can get to 4-1. and one. They can get out of London with a big win over the Raiders. Um, yeah, thanks again, Aaron, for joining me. Uh, we'll talk again next week, hopefully recapping... Um, what should be a good 
or hopefully a Bears win and a good game out in London. Um, until next time, make sure you rate, review, subscribe on the podcast. Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lending NFL. And also, you have a safe trip because you will be in London. You have a safe trip and enjoy yourself. Thank but you. It should be a good time for you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm hoping uh, the Bears win so I can go out there and see a win. I'm looking forward to it. Never been to London. Uh, so I'm going to be very uh, – do some sightseeing, I think. And, uh, yeah, hopefully having some fun covering a Bears win. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. You can read both of our work on the Bear Report. And we'll see you next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.